Hi everyone and welcome to our second segment under female reproductive health. Today's topic is contraceptives, better known to others as family planning. My name is Swifty and I am the other half of Maumo Awutlali. Today's topic is quite lengthy so it will be divided into a couple of segments so that you can have better understanding so that we can give you as much information as possible and then so that we don't have to cut out anything but give you everything that we can give you so that you have a better understanding of different contraceptive methods. Please don't forget to interact with us on our social media pages. These are Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Let's get started. <laughs> our first um, contraceptive method is our barrier methods. One of them being condoms. These are the most common contraceptive methods and familiar to, I think, just about everyone from being teenagers upwards. The primary um, prevention of this is, of course, the passage of sperm, right? The what this will actually prevent fertilization but what these also do is that they prevent the passage of microbes and viruses this means that these prevent um, STIs and HIV infections and this is the only contraceptive method that has a dual um, protection this means that it does not only have contraceptive benefit but that it also um prevents you from getting STIs and HIV when used correctly. The effectiveness of this are 85 to 98% when used correctly and stored correctly. And by being stored correctly, I mean that they are stored in a cool and dry place and away from sunlight. Okay. And then we have two types of condoms. We have our female condoms and our male condoms. Our female condoms require a level of comfort for the female with her body because she has to insert it into her vagina. So if she is not comfortable with her body, it is kind of difficult for her to touch herself and just be comfortable and relaxed during this process of inserting the condom. Then the male condom is the one that everyone is familiar with, most people are familiar with, and it is the easier condom method. And then most people don't have side effects to condoms. So that is the big up, so the advantage of this, that it does not usually have any reactions to it. But there is a very rare occurrence where someone is allergic to latex. And we know that a lot of condoms contain latex. But for those people who are allergic to these, there are latex-free condoms. So being allergic to latex means that you don't have to completely rule out using condoms, but you can just look for the latex-free condoms. The disadvantage of these is that for females, it does have a reduced sexual pleasure because of the um, sensitivity to it, that it does not have the whole discomfort that it might come with, rather. And then for males, it is usually just the latex allergy that is a rare occurrence, like I said. Then we have our spermicides as another barrier method contraceptive. These are chemical products that are inserted into the vagina before sexual intercourse. And what these do is that they inactivate or kill the sperm. 
but these are only 75 to 80% effective or trustworthy. So these are, you know, not that trustworthy and we don't know if they would be able to prevent pregnancy to its maximum level. Then we have our combined oral contraceptives method, right? We call them COCs. These are pills that contain synthetic estrogen and synthetic progestogens. If you listened to our first segment, you'd understand better, I think, what estrogen and progestogens are and what they do in the body and their role in the whole menstrual cycle. And thus, better understanding the mode of action for COCs. COCs are 92% effective. This is in the first use, in the first year of use, correct use that is. And then they go up to 99.7% thereafter when still used correctly. By correctly, I mean that you take them at the same time daily. You know, this will just maximize the effectiveness and make sure that they are working properly in your body. These have no age restrictions from manarchy to 40. So manarchy, remember, is the time where you start your periods for the first time. So this is usually around your teenage years. So they have no restrictions from manarchy until 40. So anyone can use them once they've started their periods. What it does primarily, what the COC does, is that it prevents ovulation. Ovulation, remember, is that whole process where your body is ready for fertilization. So it prevents that method, that process, that moment in your body where it is ready for fertilization. This means that your body will just not be ready to have a baby anyway. And then, secondarily, it thickens the cervical mucus. The The cervix is the what we call the uterine mouth this is between the vagina and the womb or rather the uterus so what this does is that once the mucus is thick it basically traps the sperm so once ejaculation happens it does not um, go through the cervix into the uterus where it would meet the egg if fertilization did occur the side effects that we know are the that some people have nausea and intermenstrual spotting or bleeding and some people have mild headaches dizziness breast tenderness this would be when your breasts are painful and swollen um then they have light periods or breakthrough bleeding um but usually these side effects you know they actually subside quite a lot after about three months of use of the method so it's usually not doesn't last that long and then we have our non-contraceptive benefits remember the only um, contraceptive method that has um what benefit against what that gives prevention or protection um, from stis and hiv are condoms but other methods also have other contraceptive benefits Um, rather than just preventing pregnancy. Um, For COCs is that it has regular, lighter, and less painful periods or menstruation. This is, remember, the whole ovulation process didn't happen. And if you listened to our previous um, 
segment you'd know that after ovulation there are certain hormones that are secreted that thicken the endometrial wall and the endometrial wall is what is shed during menstruation this is the blood that is shed so if ovulation didn't happen this this means that those hormones were not secreted this means that the endometrial wall did not thicken this means less blood is there in the first place so there's less blood to be taken out of the body thus you have regular lighter and less painful periods then it also prevents or improves iron deficiency anemia this is simply the blood loss anemia we will explain what anemia is at a later stage and explain the different types of anemia but this type of anemia is just primarily the blood loss anemia so what it does since you have less blood being um shed obviously you have less um the the chances of anemia are much less then it also decreases the incidence of PID. This is pelvic inflammatory disease. This is an infection of the pelvic area. Usually it will come across as these very painful lower abdomen and sometimes even purulent um, discharge. This would be like pus. So this would be yellow and smelling pus that would be um, secreted through the vagina. Then it also prevents ectopic pregnancy. This is a pregnancy that happens outside of the uterus. So basically anywhere that it is not supposed to happen, it is referred to as an ectopic pregnancy. It also prevents or improves the likeliness or decreases the likeliness of ovarian and endometrial cancer. The ovaries are part of the menstrual cycle and the endometrium is that wall that I just explained that thickens um, in order to um, the one that is shed during menstruation. It can also improve or worsen acne. But for your sake, I really hope that it improves it. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And then the return to fertility. Usually with these, the return to fertility is not um, delayed or anything. It usually returns almost immediately once you stop using the pills. But remember, it does not have any STI or HIV protection and it can be used throughout your reproductive years. It can also be used through for rather um, breakthrough bleeding. Um, this is just basically what it does is that it will regulate your hormones and bring them down to just a more settled um, level for the body to be able to go back to its normal menstrual cycle. And now we are going to talk about the myths that come with COCs, right? So one of the myths that I've heard quite a number of times at work is that the pills cause periods to stop, your menstruation to stop. Now remember, I've been going through this, that the pills actually prevent ovulation and that the endometrial wall does not thicken. So this just means that there isn't a lot of blood to let go of. So it's not that the pills are, you know, stopping this it's just that because they um primarily stopped or prevented ovulation that whole process the rest of the process um for the menstrual cycle to just proceed doesn't happen so there is just not any blood to let go of some people will either have the lighter blood where the endometrial wall does not just thicken that much you know there might be some sort of thickening but not a lot so that the blood the menstruation is actually lighter 
then for some when ovulation is prevented completely then there is no menstruation this we'd call amenorrhea amenorrhea is when there's no menstruation whatsoever then some people say that it causes that the pills cause um, various types of cancer remember we said that um, the pills actually prevent um, or rather reduce the incidence or the occurrence of ovarian and endometrial cancer so actually they don't cause cancer they actually um, reduce the incidence of cancer but if you have been diagnosed with a hormonal dependent cancer then this would not be a good um, contraceptive method for you because it is hormonal um, secretion that happens or rather introduced into your body so if you either already have a hormonal dependent cancer and you just don't know about it or you are already diagnosed with it it wouldn't be a good idea to use this um, contraceptive method but it does not actually cause cancer then we have the myth that pills cause serious medical problems so what people think is that when they don't see their periods at all or that their periods are much lighter then they think that there's blood stored somewhere in their bodies but like i said pills stop ovulation that means that there isn't blood what like there isn't a thickening of that blood lining so meaning that there is just no blood to let go of meaning that there is no blood so it's not actually holding back any blood or storing it somewhere there's just no blood at all that is um there to let go of or stored then some say that it causes cloasma and acne remember i said that one of the benefits about um cocs is that it can improve acne but it can also worsen it but we said we are hoping that it improves yours <laughs> so one of the other things is the cloasma cloasma is a darkening um like of the skin mostly um darker um skinned women will have this so if you are dark skinned the chances of you having cloasma are higher than those of light skinned because it actually stimulates um melanocytes these are um, melanin you know like how people say melanin popping yeah for those people there is a higher chance that you'd actually have chlorasma and then this actually just produces a higher pigment um thus you know darkening certain parts of your body this is just a higher level of melanin at certain parts of your body most especially when you are when you have a lot of um, sun exposure so when you are on pills it is advisable to just minimize your sun exposure as much as possible then some say that it makes women fat now the pill itself does not make you fat but the synthetic hormone you know that whole estrogen and progestogen does stimulate um, or suppress sometimes um, appetite center in the brain so if it stimulates it 
you just tend to eat a lot more than you normally would. So it's not the pill that actually makes you fat. It's just that your diet changes. So it is advisable that you actually just monitor your diet and any changes in your diet. If you do find yourself wanting to eat more, you can actually just, you know, opt for healthier snacks in between rather than, you know, stuffing your face with all of this junk. <laughs> so you can actually just have a healthier diet even though you're eating more. And then I think that's about it with our myths. If there are any other ones that you'd actually like us to clarify, please do let us know and we'll just go through them and explain um, what would happen or if it is true or not. <laughs> and then for missed pills. So if you miss a pill, let's say you are supposed to drink it at 8 p.m. Let's say you drink your pills every day, every night rather, at 8 p.m. And then you forget it and you only remember at 11. Drink the pill as soon as you remember. And then let's say you don't, for, you don't remember it at 11 p.m. You remember it at 11 the following day. This means that there is just over 12 hours um, that has lapsed between the time that you usually drink your pill. Drink it immediately when you remember. It doesn't matter that you're going to be drinking two pills at the same day, but just drink it as soon as you remember. So you will basically drink it at 11 a.m. the following day, and then at night you'll go back to your normal time of drinking at 8 p.m. But if you happen to drink, to forget to drink your pills for two consecutive days this is 48 hours now what we advise you to do is that you throw away the two that you've missed as soon as you remember to uh, you remember you drink the third one right so at 8 p.m on the third day you'll drink it but it is advisable that you use condoms or abstain for at least seven days because the effectiveness of the pill reduces if you forget to drink it for 48 hours or more if you vomit within two hours of drinking a pill, then you should drink another one because the chances are it has not been taken in by your body properly. And yeah, <laughs> then you, it would um, constitute as a missed pill. Um, I think that's about it <laughs> for today. We'll just stop there because I think we've already had a lot <laughs> to talk about. So today we covered our barrier methods and our COCs, or rather combined oral contraceptive method. And then we'll continue in our next segment. Thank you. Hi everyone, and welcome to our second segment under female reproductive health. Today's topic is contraceptives, better known to others as family planning. My name is Swifty and I am the other half of Maungo Awotlali. Today's topic is quite lengthy so it will be divided into a couple of segments so that you can have better understanding so that we can give you as much information as possible and then so that we don't have to cut out anything but give you everything that we can give you so that you have a better understanding of different contraceptive methods. Please don't forget to interact with us on our social media pages. These are Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Let's get started. <laughs> our first um, contraceptive method 
is our barrier methods. One of them being condoms. These are the most common contraceptive methods and familiar to, I think, just about everyone from being teenagers upwards. The primary um, prevention of this is, of course, the passage of sperm, right? The, what, this will actually prevent fertilization. But what these also do is that they prevent the passage of microbes and viruses. This means that these prevent um, STIs and HIV infections. And this is the only contraceptive method that has a dual um, protection. This means that it does not only have contraceptive benefit, but that it also um, prevents you from getting STIs and HIV when used correctly. The effectiveness of this are 85 to 98% when used correctly and stored correctly. And by being stored correctly, I mean that they are stored in a cool and dry place and away from sunlight. Okay. And then we have two types of condoms. We have our female condoms and our male condoms. Our female condoms require a level of comfort for the female with her body because she has to insert it into her vagina. So if she is not comfortable with her body, it is kind of difficult for her to touch herself and just be comfortable and relaxed during this process of inserting the condom. Then the male condom is the one that everyone is familiar with, most people are familiar with, and it is the easier condom method. And then most people don't have side effects to condoms. So that is the big ups or the advantage of this, that it does not usually have any reactions to it. But there is a very rare occurrence where someone is allergic to latex. And we know that a lot of condoms contain latex. But for those people who are allergic to these, there are latex-free condoms. So being allergic to latex means that you don't have to completely rule out using condoms, but you can just look for the latex-free condoms. The disadvantage of these is that for females, it does have a reduced sexual pleasure because of the um, sensitivity to it, that it does not have the whole discomfort that it might come with, rather. And then for males, it is usually just the latex allergy that is a rare occurrence, like I said. Then we have our spermicides as another barrier method contraceptive. These are chemical products that are inserted into the vagina before sexual intercourse. And what these do is that they inactivate or kill the sperm. But these are only 75 to 80% effective or trustworthy. So these are, you know, not that trustworthy and we don't know if they would be able to prevent pregnancy to its maximum level. Then we have our combined oral contraceptives method, right? We call them COCs. These are pills that contain synthetic estrogen and synthetic progestogens. If you listened to our first segment, you'd understand better, I think, what estrogen and progestogens are and what they do in the body and their role in the whole menstrual cycle and thus better understanding the mode of action for COCs. 
COCs are 92% effective. This is in the first use, in the first year of use. Correct use, that is. And then they go up to 99.7% thereafter when still used correctly. By correctly, I mean that you take them at the same time daily. You know, this will just maximize the effectiveness and make sure that they are working properly in your body. These have no age restrictions from Manaki to 40. So Manaki, remember, is the time where you start your periods for the first time. So this is usually around your teenage years. So they have no restrictions from Manaki until 40. So anyone can use them once they've started their periods. What it does primarily, what the COC does, is that it prevents ovulation. Ovulation, remember, is that whole process where your body is ready for fertilization. So it prevents that method, that process, that moment in your body where it is ready for fertilization. This means that your body will just not be ready to have a baby anyway. And then, secondarily, it thickens the cervical mucus. The The cervix is the what we call the uterine mouth this is between the vagina and the womb or rather the uterus so what this does is that once the mucus is thick it basically traps the sperm so once ejaculation happens it does not um, go through the cervix into the uterus where it would meet the egg if fertilization did occur the side effects that we know are the, that some people have nausea and intermenstrual spotting or bleeding and some people have mild headaches, dizziness, breast tenderness. This would be when your breasts are painful and swollen. Um, then they have light periods or breakthrough bleeding. Um, but usually these side effects, you know, they actually subside quite a lot after about three months of use of the method so it's usually not doesn't last that long and then we have our non-contraceptive benefits remember the only um, contraceptive method that has um what benefit against what that gives prevention or protection um, from stis and hiv are condoms but other methods also have other contraceptive benefits um, rather than just preventing pregnancy. Um, for COCs is that it has regular, lighter, and less painful periods or menstruation. This is, remember, the whole ovulation process didn't happen. And if you listened to our previous um, segment, you'd know that after ovulation, there are certain hormones that are secreted that thicken the endometrial wall. And the endometrial wall is what is shed during menstruation this is the blood that is shed so if ovulation didn't happen this this means that those hormones were not secreted this means that the endometrial wall did not thicken this means less blood is there in the first place so there's less blood to be taken out of the body thus you have regular lighter and less painful periods then it also prevents or improves iron deficiency anemia this is simply the blood loss anemia 
we will explain what anemia is at a later stage and explain the different types of anemia. But this type of anemia is just primarily the blood loss anemia. So what it does, since you have less blood being um, shed, obviously you have less, um, the, the chances of anemia are much less. Then it also decreases the incidence of PID. This is pelvic inflammatory disease. This is an infection of the pelvic area. Usually, it will come across as these very painful lower abdomen and sometimes even purulent um, discharges would be like pus. So, this would be yellow and smelling pus that would be um, secreted through the vagina. Then, it also prevents ectopic pregnancy. This is a pregnancy that happens outside of the uterus. So, basically anywhere that it is not supposed to happen it is referred to as an ectopic pregnancy it also prevents or improves the likeliness or decreases the likeliness of ovarian and endometrial cancer the ovaries are part of the menstrual cycle and the endometrium is that wall that i just explained that thickens um in order to um the one that is shed during menstruation it can also improve or worsen acne. But for your sake, I really hope that it improves it. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And then the return to fertility. Usually with these, the return to fertility is not um, delayed or anything. It usually returns almost immediately once you stop using the pills. But remember, it does not have any STI or HIV protection. And it can be used throughout your reproductive years. It can also be used through for rather um, breakthrough bleeding. Um, this is just basically what it does is that it will regulate your hormones and bring them down to just a more settled um, level for the body to be able to go back to its normal menstrual cycle. And now we are going to talk about the myths that come with COCs, right? So one of the myths that I've heard quite a number of times at work is that the pills cause periods to stop, your menstruation to stop. Now remember, I've been going through this, that the pills actually prevent ovulation and that the endometrial wall does not thicken. So this just means that there isn't a lot of blood to let go of. So it's not that the pills are, you know, stopping this. It's just that because they... Um, primarily stopped or prevented ovulation that whole process the rest of the process um, for the menstrual cycle to just proceed doesn't happen so there is just not any blood to let go of some people will either have the lighter blood where the endometrial wall does not just thicken that much you know there might be some sort of thickening but not a lot so that the blood the menstruation is actually lighter then for some when ovulation is prevented completely, then there is no menstruation. This we'd call amenorrhea. Amenorrhea is when there's no menstruation whatsoever. Then some people say that it causes, that the pills cause um, various types of cancer. Remember, we said that um, the pills actually prevent um, or rather reduce the incidence or the occurrence of ovarian and endometrial cancer so actually they don't cause cancer they actually um, reduce the incidence of cancer but if you have been diagnosed with a hormonal dependent cancer 
then this would not be a good um, contraceptive method for you because it is hormonal um, secretion that happens or rather introduced into your body. So if you either already have a hormonal dependent cancer and you just don't know about it or you are already diagnosed with it, it wouldn't be a good idea to use this um, contraceptive method. But it does not actually cause cancer. Then we have the myth that pills cause serious medical problems. So what people think is that when they don't see their periods at all or that their periods are much lighter then they think that there's blood stored somewhere in their bodies but like i said pills stop ovulation that means that there isn't blood what like there isn't a thickening of that blood lining so meaning that there is just no blood to let go of meaning that there is no blood so it's not actually holding back any blood or storing it somewhere there's just no blood at all that is um there to let go of or stored then some say that it causes cloasma and acne. Remember I said that one of the benefits about um, COCs is that it can improve acne, but it can also worsen it. But we said we are hoping that it improves yours. <laughs> so one of the other things is the cloasma. Cloasma is a darkening um, like of the skin. Mostly um, darker um, skinned women will have this. So if you are dark skinned, the chances of you having cloasma are higher than those of light skinned because it actually stimulates um, melanocytes. These are um, melanin, you know like how people say melanin popping? Yeah, for those people, there is a higher chance that you'd actually have cloasma. And then this actually just produces a higher pigment. Um, thus, you know, darkening certain parts of your body. This is just a higher level of melanin at certain parts of your body. Most especially when you are, when you have a lot of um, sun exposure. So when you are on pills, it is advisable to just minimize your sun exposure as much as possible. Then some say that it makes women fat. Now the pill itself does not make you fat. But the synthetic hormone, you know, that whole estrogen and progestogen does stimulate um, or suppress sometimes um, appetite center in the brain. So if it stimulates it, you just tend to eat a lot more than you normally would. So it's not the pill that actually makes you fat. It's just that your diet changes. So it is advisable that you actually just monitor your diet and any changes in your diet. If you do find yourself wanting to eat more, you can actually just, you know, opt for healthier snacks in between rather than, you know, stuffing your face with all of this junk. <laughs> so you can actually just have a healthier diet even though you're eating more. And then I think that's about it with our myths. If there are any other ones that you'd actually like us to clarify, please do let us know and we'll just go through them and explain um, what would happen or if it is true or not <laughs> and then for missed pills so if you miss a pill let's say you are supposed to drink it at 8 p.m let's say you drink your pills every day every night rather at 8 p.m and then you forget it and you only remember at 11 drink the pill as soon as you remember and then let's say you don't for, you don't remember it at 11 p.m you remember it at 11 the following day this means that there is 
just over 12 hours um, that has lapsed between the time that you usually drink your pill. Drink it immediately when you remember. It doesn't matter that you're going to be drinking two pills at the same day, but just drink it as soon as you remember. So you will basically drink it at 11 a.m. the following day, and then at night you'll go back to your normal time of drinking at 8 p.m. But if you happen to drink, to forget to drink your pills for two consecutive days, this is 48 hours now, what we advise you to do is that you throw away the two that you've missed. As soon as you remember, to, uh, you remember, you drink the third one, right? So at 8 p.m. on the third day, you'll drink it. But it is advisable that you use condoms or abstain for at least seven days because the effectiveness of the pill reduces if you forget to drink it for 48 hours or more. If you vomit within two hours of drinking a pill, then you should drink another one because the chances are it has not been taken in by your body properly and yeah, <laughs> then you, it would um, constitute as a missed pill. Um, I think that's about it <laughs> for today. We'll just stop there because I think we've already had a lot <laughs> to talk about. So today we covered our barrier methods and our COCs or rather combined oral contraceptive method. And then we'll continue in our next segment. Thank you.